Today we begin with a discussion of dreams. Are they random, chaotic images, or do they reflect a portion of our deepest psyche? In the Middle Ages, dreams were thought to be the work of the devil. Joining me now is dream specialist Mark Pritchard. He's the author of When I Go to Sleep, a course in astral travel and dreams. Welcome to you, Mark Pritchard. Hello, Joseph. Also joining us from the close proximity of Coral Springs, Florida, is Dr. James Kakabod. He's a clinical psychologist. Welcome to you, Dr. James Kakabod. Welcome back. Uh, You've been on before. Yes, I have. Thank you so much. Mark Pritchard, what's your basic philosophy of dreams? You seem to have a very mystical outlook. Well, it's that science can't explain what dreams are or what their function is. Um, and in my view, that's because the criteria which are applied to the study of it is not really suitable for, uh, for working it out. And that is that science tends to look at purely uh, physical phenomena, uh, whereas dreams are non-physical, i.e. they are uh, experiences of consciousness. And uh, therefore, we can't measure them scientifically. So I propose that dreams are best studied through a personal experience, through an individual uh, looking into their own dreams uh, and, and studying them, but combined with a study of oneself during daily life to see what's going on in the psyche, plus out-of-body experiences which are related to dreams and out-of-body experiences particularly near-death experiences show us that um, dreams or consciousness can be separate from the physical body uh, for example if someone dies on the operating table uh, about 18 percent of people who are revived then say that they've had a, a near-death experience in which when their brain has been down, completely dead, there is no, uh, no life in it whatsoever. They can see clearly what's happening around them, and some even go out of the room and, and look at the environment. There's a case of one woman, for example, who went out of the uh, hospital, went onto the hospital roof, saw a, red, saw a shoe up on the hospital roof, was revived, came back, accounted exactly what happened in the operating uh, theater at that time, uh, told staff about the red shoe. Staff went up to the, the roof of the hospital, recovered the shoe, and noted that it could only be seen from the air. Mm. And could, could we get back to dreams? Yep. Um, They're related to dreams. So you're saying that people should consciously leave their bodies at night? That's right. If we can do this... That's pretty hard for a lot of people. We're in the Just place wow. where we actually dream, and we can see dreamers... And we can also be in the same place that people have near-death experiences in. Now, you can't measure this. You can only go on people's accounts. And it's the same thing with dreams. We only have people's accounts to go by. Dr. Kickabout, at... as a psychologist, what's the latest clinical analysis of dreams? Uh, in, in terms of dreams, it has, ever since Freud theorized about dreams, it has always been an incredibly... Uh, accurate way to get into the unknown parts of the human psyche. And I would tend to 
disagree to some degree with uh, Mr. Pritchard that they don't seem to have any direct relevance, uh, whereas Freud theorized that it is the perfect way to get to those parts that we consciously seem to suppress or repress uh, that are so overpowering that our conscious mind is unable to entertain the resolution of either those kind of thoughts, wishes, or conflicts that eventually get resolved uh, when the conscious mind is somewhat bypassed during the sleep state and the psyche is able to get through to the unconscious areas of our uh, psyche and tries to resolve these conflicts. And there is a whole theory of interpretation that Freud, based upon his um, notions, uh, it, in fact, he wrote an entire book called The Interpretation of Dreams, and it is still used as, as the cornerstone of clinical psychology and dream interpretation and understanding parts of the human psyche that are not consciously available. To each of us. Mark Pritchard, what's your view on the Freudian theories? Well, they, they fall down, particularly when it comes to nightmares. Um, he didn't have much to say about them, but he tends to, tended to think that they were about wish fulfillment. Uh, dreams are about wish fulfillment. Um, how can you have a nightmare which is wish fulfillment? And so then um, someone like Young disagreed with him in that. And uh, in my view, dreams are more about uh, the psyche, the mind continuing its activity uh, through the night, deprived of, of sensory stimulus from the three-dimensional world. Well, does you just take that away and... What's that? Does seeing a scary movie make us more prone to bad dreams? Yes, it does. Uh, this is more obvious in children, uh, in which uh, if children watch scary movies, they're, they're much more likely to have a bad dream that particular night. So what's happening is that in the day, uh, what goes on within us, sorts of fears and, and the like, uh, in the case of scary movies, then they continue at night. And so it's, it's simply a repetition. The, the physical stimuli have been taken away from us. Doctor, why do so many of our dreams uh, seem to be negative, where people are chasing us, we're stuck up on roofs, uh, we can't find our house, and the streets have changed, and confusion in that? Joseph, most of the dreams uh, do not represent exactly what the images and visions uh, portray, which is why uh, there is the necessity to have an analyst interpret those dreams in terms of relevance and significance to each individual. Uh, the, the themes and visions and images that do appear in the dream state are really disguised to um, get us access to those parts of our psyche that is having an incredible degree of conflict of expression. Uh, Freud theorized that, you know, there are three parts to our human uh, mind. One is the part that wants to maximize pleasure, minimize pain. Uh, that is something innate we are all born with. And then the process of socialization overlays a moral and ethical code over that uh, part of the mind. 
And there is an ongoing lifelong conflict between that part that wants to maximize pleasure and that part that wants to censor and restrain and contain that because of socialization and morality and ethics. And sometimes those kind of, as Dr. Mr. Pritchard referred to as wish fulfillment, wish fulfillment is nothing more than maximizing pleasure and minimizing pain. Whether it's, it's, for example, a conflict such as someone has the, uh, and, and no offense to anyone, but we all have secret fantasies and secret wishes that we really don't uh, express to other people, and sometimes they're so difficult to even tolerate within ourselves. For example, let's say one has a fantasy to uh, make love to a best friend's wife. Now, that's an unacceptable wish, even though that is a thought that exists in one's mind. And most of the times we deal with it by suppressing it. But during the sleep state, that kind of conflict gets resolved in terms of the images and and the visions that you get. And that then needs to be correlated during the process of therapy in terms of relevance. And that's why it's referred to as psychoanalysis that analyzes the psyche. But what about the fact that mammals and birds dream? Are they having fantasies? that's a, that's a very interesting controversy that is an always ongoing process uh, that, that goes back to the whole controversy whether or not animals have emotions. Is my, and, is my dog fantasizing over my leftover steak? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, those are some mysteries that still have not have uh, any answers. Or the poodle next door? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. One can theorize. Mark Pritchard, uh, do you feel that the dream is actually sort of a housekeeping of the brain, sort of a like a defrag of the computer? Well, that's uh, one of many theories which are put forward, but uh, as you've seen, there's no proof for, for any of them. Um, in my view, it's simply the psyche continuing its operations without the body, but um, there is no way of actually proving it because it's non-physical. Um, but I, I do think that it's through uh, a person observing their own dreams that they can best get a, an understanding of what's going on. For example, if you want to know what a fruit tastes like, you, you pick it up and eat it. You don't uh, study the uh, neurological processes which go on in the body to know what it tastes like. You don't go looking at other people's accounts of it. and. Uh, you don't see how people behave when they eat the fruit. You actually go and taste it in the same way, in my view, to understand dreams best. An individual needs to be able to see their own dreams and learn how to, to study them for themselves in the same way to study uh, within during daily life to see what's going on within us. You know, if we want to know about anger, the best way to do it is to look and see how, how we are, how anger feels to us, because we're talking about... Um, personal experiences and these cannot be measured therefore we cannot prove them scientifically and and because of that we can only draw up theories with theories one contradicts another there are many many theories which contradict Freud uh, but that this is why I'm saying it's better to go back to empowering the dreamer to understand their own dreams 
Gentlemen, I have to take a short break, so hang in there with me. We'll be back with more. And we're back with today's Topical Currents. Joseph Cooper with you. We're talking about dreams. My guests are Mark Pritchard, author of When I Go to Sleep, A Course in Astral Travel and Dreams, and Coral Springs psychologist, Dr. James Kaikabad. He's a clinical psychologist. Doctor, could you talk about the various stages of sleep and the importance of REM, and if the REM isn't there, can we dream? Well, the uh, the evidence seems to suggest that dream only tends to occur during that deep sleep area that is called the REM sleep. Rapid eye movement. Rapid eye movement sleep. And uh, when we don't reach that level of depth in our sleep, uh, generally the dreams either tend to be very fragmented or we don't dream at all. It's somehow correlated with the degree of REM sleep and the duration of the REM sleep. And... Um, if I may, Joseph, for a second, mm-hmm. uh, go back to what uh, Mark was saying earlier, that in terms of the dreams, Freud does not disregard the dreamer at all. In fact, the effort to interpret dreams is a collaborative one between the analyst and the dreamer. Uh, w- without the dreamer's participation, the dream means absolutely nothing. And, and the whole process of analysis correlates very, very different and painstakingly symbols and images and what they mean to the dreamer. So I just wanted to clarify that. And uh, Mark Pritchard, your book is, a, you recommend a, a nine-week sort of course using your book as a, as a tool. Do many people want to make that kind of investment in their dreams, nine weeks? Well, mostly... Um people don't remember their dreams, or if they do think they're pretty irrelevant. But I think that it's worthwhile remembering them because we can learn a lot from them. Um, We can see the kinds of things, for example, that are going on inside of us, which we perhaps wouldn't want to acknowledge. Um, But we can also get a glimpse into the more, um, well, you could say the supernatural in a way. premonitions and information that we couldn't otherwise get. Uh, For example, about 50% of Americans say that they believe in premonitions and something like 25% of people say that they have actually had premonitions in their dreams. Um, So that's quite a lot of people and clearly there's something going on. You know, it's like uh, Abraham Lincoln's premonition of his death and and everything. And the sun's still there. Yeah, I, I think there's there's more to dreams than this simple um, repetition of the psyche from daily life. And that even if it were just the repetition of the psyche, it's still worth looking into them. Can we manipulate our dreams? Sorry? Can we manipulate our dreams? We can in a sense um, if we are self-aware in a dream. So if we realize that we're dreaming then we can manipulate that dream. We can imagine something there. Uh, We could imagine, for example, an elephant flying in the sky and it would become real for us. This is called lucid dreaming. It has clinically been proven to exist. Um, But I I don't think that's a good idea. I think it's better to just see what's there to explore the dream world if we are self-aware in it. And um, just going back to that point on REM sleep, Latest research is showing that 
uh, dreams occur also outside REM sleep. It's not just confined to REM sleep. Um, and there have been studies shown where people wake up from nightmares outside of REM sleep, and people have, in fact, out-of-body experiences, um, mostly outside REM sleep. So uh, dreams are not confined to REM sleep. It's, it's a stage where we, rem we remember dreams much better REM sleep, but it's not confined to that. Doctor, could you address for me uh, sleepwalking and also talking in your sleep? Uh, sleepwalking is a whole separate phenomenon and has very little to do with the dream state. Sleepwalking is usually a, a neurological aspect and function or malfunction of the brain. Uh, you might have heard recently, uh, I'm trying to remember what medication it was that people, I think it was Ambien, the, the sleep mm -hmm. medication, that it induced people to do all kinds of things uh, during their uh, sleep cycle. And the sleepwalking and sleep talking are essentially sort of misfirings of the neurological apparatus that is more connected with how the brain functions during sleep rather than the dreaming part of it. I have an email here that says, uh, sometimes I dream in a foreign language even though I don't speak another language. Could that be from a past life? Uh, you know, that is a mystery that is still unfolding in terms of the uh, interconnectedness and the unification of the existence of one spirit that is imbued in all of us and whether all of that plays a role in what happens in terms of uh, there's only one energy source and as Mark was saying earlier uh, can you have a premonitory dream about someone and that seems to attest to the fact of that one one thread and one energy running through can you telepathically be connected to someone else uh, Mark, could, could I, let, let me have Mark uh, comment on that well it's difficult to uh, to prove anything like that but if you just take the account then it's pretty overwhelming um, the evidence in favor of there being something more than, than simply uh, housekeeping in, in dreams um, but to go beyond the theory, I think out-of-body experiences are vital in understanding the process of dreaming um, because we can actually be self-aware in the dream world and we can see what's going on. We can see other people dreaming and uh, we can find out far more about it than simply um, creating a theory and saying we don't know. Uh, we don't understand the, the reasons behind these things. I think it's possible to understand these things. It's just that the, the methodology that we apply to them scientifically doesn't really work because we, we try to apply uh, a, a theory or a process scientifically to everything and to make it repeatable um, by everyone. In personal experience, you can't do that. So it makes... The, the study of dreams very, very difficult scientifically. Even the study of psychology is very difficult scientifically. Well, we've just, we've just about run out of time, and I want to thank you, Mark Pritchard. He's the author of When I Go to Sleep,